0: Say now you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host Devon Pouncy. I am here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, but I'm not at the Momentum Studios. I am on my phone recording this as we have just experienced the snowiest day since 1943 in Portland history. So everything shut down. Not driving anywhere. Not driving to Zeb in the studio, but grateful for him as we will still make an episode out of this snowpocalypse just for you. We also have a special guest joining us here on today's podcast. He is a friend of the show. You heard him here before, and he's back again. Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian joining us here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. On the line right now, we have Oregonian reporter primarily covering the Trailblazers, and uh, he's also a Pacific University alum, baby. Aaron Fentress, (laughs) glad to have you back, my man. What's up, bro? How you been? Man, I've been well, man. Can't complain. Always glad to have you here on the pod with me. Another boxer voice and obviously a a long-tenure reporter in yourself. So it's a pleasure to have you back, man. Remind me of back in our Justin and Devon days when you would come on to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I always love getting people that used to be on that show on this podcast because that's the closest thing that we'll ever get to that show again is when I have guests that obviously have some rapport coming from that show and obviously being able to bring that over here. Um, But that show is greatly missed, man. Justin, I miss working with him, but I'm glad he's still doing his thing over at 620.
1: Yeah, he has me on there probably at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I want to get to the NBA here, and I, I want to get straight to it. And before we get into the second half or the second portion of the season, if you will, yeah. being that it's, it, we're more than halfway through the regular season here, right? I want to start with the debacle that was NBA All-Star Weekend. I saw oh you. <laughs> Where do we start? Okay, let's start with the actual game itself because – obviously the competition is is not existent at this point when it comes to nba all-star games you have the biggest stars playing on the biggest stage you've you've changed the selection process of how guys get selected so this is a more of a scenario where you could really get your dream like players playing with and against each other instead of it being the best players in the western conference playing against the best players in the eastern conference why would you switch it to where we can get all these like fantasy like lineups being that the conferences do get mixed during the actual selection process for the for the rosters and now guys just don't compete <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's embarrassing like, it's it's really I think an embarrassment for the league, and you're right. If 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 you drafted teams like you've been selected to be on this team, uh, that should fire people up, or even the conference versus conference should par- fire people up. But either way, there no one's fired up. No one cares. Yeah, and it's not like the All Star game back in the day. Like I'm in that. Old head crowd, right? So old head against <laughs> the young head. Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever younger people call me old head, I call them little rascals. But uh, <laughs> they
0: probably weren't even so, born for that,
1: right? And so we can get into all that. You know, old heads always think their days are better, and that's 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 like always been the way through history. I remember arguing with my dad about because he he grew up uh, watching, you know, Wilt. You know, what I mean, so he'd talk about Wilt and Bill Russell, and I'd be like, man, those guys are sorry, but you know, I know what I was talking about as a little kid. So, we, you know, that, that's a factor, but I'm not going to sit there and pretend that they played great defense back in the 80s and 90s in the All-Star game, but they played a little bit of defense. Like, there yeah. was some defense, especially in the fourth quarter. There was the, – the 1987 All-Star game went into overtime, and that fourth quarter and that overtime, like, they were getting after it. Yeah. But one of the biggest problems, aside from no effort, is the amount of three-pointers being taken. Mm. Because when, when you just come down and just jack up a three – there's no need to pass. I and mean, the other team's not caring. They're going to let you take the three, right? Right. And so there's really zero reason for the rest of your teammates to even go past the three point line. There were some possessions, yeah. in that game where one guy had it, and the other four guys just sort of barely walked across half court, knowing the guy who had it was just going to shoot through it,
0: right? There were 100
1: and right. 100 almost 133s taken in that game. That's In crazy. that 87 game that went overtime, there were I think 18 total threes. That's think about crazy. that I think that's hundred, <laughs> 110 more threes. more threes, threes. yeah that's 110 t- and most of the threes that are being taken are not they're not getting kicked back out right right it's like you threw it into nB he gets double. he kicks it back out to somebody no they're yeah, just coming yeah. down and just and there's just zero bad. passing there's zero movement there's zero reason for defense and then if someone does penetrate everyone just stands there and looks at them and just lets them go like it's just it's pathetic and you don't you don't want them to go hard because you're you know they talk about injuries i get that Right. But it shouldn't be 0% effort. It's zero <laughs> right now. Zero. Give me 60, 70. Maybe the team has to work the ball around a little bit to get a shot.
0: What, what do you think has led to that? Because, I mean, obviously, participation in All Star weekend at large has just dwindled, especially from your All Star caliber players or the players that are like the best at what they do in the NBA. For example, like, why is Julius Randle in a three point contest? He's not one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA, but he's in a three-point shooting contest. But being that it feels like the competition and just the overall morale for All-Star Weekend has pretty much just disintegrated, what do you think is the primary reason for that? Because I have my theories, but I want to hear yours.
1: I think it's a a lot of things. One, I think once you start culturally going down a certain path, it kind of can build momentum. Uh, so, it, it, like, I, I kind of gave up on the All Star game like 15 years ago. I don't think this is anything new. It just got to the it's just unwatchable for me. Right. Uh, this has been going on for a while, but then you have players making more money, mm-hmm. right? So there's less incentive to care about the All Star game because I'm, a, well, I don't even have to be an All Star. I make 40 million dollars, right? Right. Right. Um, and then the All Star event becomes more of a dog and pony show, more of a be seen party hangout than it is worrying about the actual events in general. I mean, that starts spiraling out of control, and there's, you know, there's some strategic there, st- strategic things there for, you know, agents and, and their players. You know, we don't want you to get hurt, or we don't want you to lose. Like LeBron, this whole thing, I remember reading that LeBron didn't want to lose a dunk contest. That's one of the reasons why he didn't want to do it. Do it right to sort of maintain this mythology about himself, which I've always thought was lame. I think for the of course, points, you did Chicago. Yeah, exactly. The three-point <laughs> contest, you have, you should, you should have to have a thirty-eight percent career, three-point shooting percentage, or be shooting 38% that season to even be on the list, the NBA should pick who they want in it. Right. Unless you're hurt, you have to go participate. It should should be a crime if they picked you and you said, I don't want to go. That's embarrassing. Right. But you should want to go. Also, if you win it, you should have to do it until you lose it. So Damian Mm. Willis should have to do it next season. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, That way it's like who's the defending champion and who's going to try to take his crown? He's going to want to keep his crown. Dunk contest? Okay. The whole McClung thing, whatever his name is, you know, it was cute right? the two Five, right? Yeah. White guy wins all, like wins the dunk contest. Yeah, there's a there's a funny story there. But dude's on a ten guy, ten day contract, and has never played a minute in the NBA. He should not be in the contest. Agreed. The dunk, the contest, like so again, old head. Back in my day, you had in one contest, you had Jordan, Dominique, and Drexler. And then you had guys like Larry Nance, who weren't stars, but they were starters, and they were sometimes all stars, but they could dunk their butts off. You had Tom Chambers, so like, you just had guys who just resonated with you as a fan. You were watching like, oh my god, this is amazing! And now it's like I have to look up the guy. I'm on I'm on basketball reference. Yeah. this guy? <laughs> even my even my man Ant Anthony Simons won it last year. I love me some Ant. I've been an Ant guy since they drafted him. I'm glad he's starting now. Yeah, but, come on.
0: Yeah, he so should have so. been
1: in the dunk contest as a as a as a backup player. But if he is. It's fine as if he's going up against other stars, I and mean, then he should have been—he's hurt this year anyway—but he should have been made to come back the next year and defend it. That was last year, right? Because he won it two years ago.
0: Two years. So ago, anyway,
1: so anyway, that's that's my theory. Is that it's just become to the point where the stars are so big that they just don't feel like they have to participate in certain things, and they were seeing spillover in the regular season with the load management nonsense. Right, and, and that's
0: what I wanted to, to follow up with because one of my theories was for all the things great that this and I say with air quotes, player empowerment era that we're in, you yeah. are starting to get things like this where you do see the sort of negative impacts, obviously low management being one of them. I love what Anthony Edwards came out and had to say. And now yeah. I think you're seeing All-Star Weekend, which is a weekend that uh, that players can leverage their powers even more so than they mm-hmm. could in a regular season. And, and it has been exposed to the max at this point. And how does the NBA reel this in? Do you think it's like a CBA thing when it comes around here pretty soon? Obviously, there's a lot more to go with that. You mentioned load management. You mentioned, you know, I mean, guys that are that are basically doing whatever they can to force themselves out of contracts too soon. Um, there's just a plethora of things that you're seeing here. Like, do you think player empowerment has been sort of the biggest, like, antithesis to the All-Star game at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a fine balance, fine line between player empowerment and, and, and anarchy. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it's, at, some, at some point, there has to be structure because a, a, the fans gravitate towards the structure of a league meaning something. You draft, you sign free agents, you trade players, you do all these things to build a team. But if it gets to the point where players, oh, I don't want to play. I'm a little management, or I want to go play with my friend over here. Or, I want to do this. and they, You know you alter the balance of the league like because guys can just go wherever they want. Then you you, you have some cities that are going to be left out of that mix like Portland. Cause yeah. Portland, you know, there's no reason why Kevin Durant shouldn't have said, I want to go to Portland and Portland made calls on Durant.
0: Yeah. Okay. Durant okay.
1: want to go to Phoenix. Right. And right. That, he's, I want to go to Phoenix. Well, of course he wants to go to Phoenix. They were to the finals two years ago. They had the best record in the league last year. They had the best record in the West this year until Booker got hurt, but now they're climbing back up. They just want yes. to get out of 10, Got him. He's going to a team that's already a contender without him. So he goes there. If they're healthy, they're the odds-on favorites now. And that's just the mentality of some of these guys. They want to take the easiest path possible. And then when they win a championship, go, hey, look at me. I'm amazing. Yeah. Are, you, are you really that amazing? Or did you just join a situation where you almost were guaranteed to win it? Um, and so as long as that's going on, the only thing that's going to stop any of this is fan revolt. The fans hmm. need to turn it off. Yeah. Stop buying tickets. Yeah. Don't pay. Like, don't buy season tickets. Think oh, it all. I'm in a season ticket draft. I, I, I own half a season, and I split with two other people. Now, yeah, I, I go to the games. So right. if my family doesn't go, I sell my tickets. Right. But what do I, you know, if I'm trying to sell my tickets, like I, I sold my Warriors tickets to someone for five hundred bucks.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Curry doesn't play.
0: Uh, now Curry was uh, legitimately hurt.
1: Yeah, he was legitimately sure. hurt. Right? For Sure. But what if, but what if someone just sits out like and then this other guy bought my tickets from me for the Lakers? and He was sweating bullets that LeBron might not play. LeBron okay. ended up playing, though. Right. But it's just like if you're a fan, don't I, I wouldn't buy any ticket for any game if I'm watching the road team coming unless I know that guy's playing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And no, if I they're not there,
1: you. then don't buy the tickets. Don't go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I do want to talk about Damian Lillard, at least uh, uh, one good thing, one shining moment of All-Star Weekend, especially for us here in this market being that Damian Lillard won the three-point contest. Now, Dame has advocated for himself that outside of Steph Curry, like he should be in any conversation when it comes right. to being like the next best shooter of all time, obviously not the greatest of shooter, greatest shooter of all time, because that goes to Steph. And Dame has even given that to Steph. But if you want to talk about the next best shooter of all time, Dame feels like he should be in that conversation. Um, he advocates it verbally, vocally, and obviously he advocates it, advocates for it with his production on the floor. For you, right. for one, where is Dame? In your list, where is he <laughs> around? Where does he hover around in your all-time list? And what does him winning this three-point contest mean to him being wherever it is that you place him on that list?
1: Well, definitely a big feather as his cap to win it. I think it was it was good that he got this um, as a sort of a validation for how good of a shooter he is. Uh, for me, man, I still got. I mean, Ray Allen to me is still number two. I think to me, you're not really in the conversation unless your career average is over forty. And I don't think his is over 40. I think he's 30, shooting 37 this year. I think his career is around 37, 38. Uh-huh. The di- game, though, is that the degree of difficulty of a lot of his threes yes. skews the average, right? right? The step back, the fadeaways, those kind of things. The half, course, you those the half out, course,
0: the logo threes. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> if you take those out, he's probably closer to 40. The yeah. fact that he's made a lot of those is an indication of how good a shooter he is. So I think that be, because if you take into account the degree of difficulty, I think you have to put them up there in the conversation. But for me, I mean, still number two is Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, probably three, and then, I mean, shoot. In the outcast, okay, where do I put guys in who are just shooting specialists? Like Kyle Korver, he has, I think, the third most threes ever made, which shocked me. Yeah. I didn't realize he was that high. He's, like, he's in the top five. Um, I think because I think Dame's, yeah, Dame's fifth, and I think Corver's fourth, I think, right? Yeah. Or sixth and I, fifth. I, I, no, Dame's, I didn't. Dame's got to be six or something. But anyway, Corver's yeah. right there. I think he's like 300 to catch Corver. So that's a guy, though. That's all he did, though. Right. Right. So, like he's a great shooter, but he didn't really do anything else. So you got to kind of factor that in, too, I think. Um, like, who would I rather have, Corver or Dame? Well, Dame, Corver, if Corver's wide open, Corver. Yeah. If I create a three, and maybe I have to take an off balance three. I want Dane, right? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think given the degree of difficulty and the types of shots he takes, I think he has to be considered one of the top ten ever. But Ray right Allen, for me, is still number two.
0: Yeah. Uh, now going into this second half of the season, obviously you got Simons hurt. Um, you, you're fresh off of a trade deadline. You bring in Thibault. You bring in Reddish, but without Simons for who knows how long at this point. What are the expectations? What are your expectations of the Blazers? Do you still expect them to be a playoff team? Do you expect them to be a play-in team? Or at this point, are we just riding this thing on into the sunset and, and, and getting ready for next year?
1: Man, I've been trying so hard to be optimistic with this team and find silver linings, and they keep letting me down. Uh, so the, the, last, the last thing I'm holding on to for hope for this <laughs> is that their defense was actually pretty solid until Winslow went out, then it dropped a bit, and then NERC went out. The last eight games they played without NERC, their defensive rating was 124. So that was without NERC and Winslow. When those two last played together, because uh, Winslow got hurt in December, but the December and, Je- and November defensive ratings were in like the 114, 115, 116 16 ratings. So obviously that's a huge drop off in defensive rating, going from having NERC and Winslow to not having both of them together. So with if Nurkic and Winslow come back with the additions of Thibel and Reddish, who has a lot of defensive potential that hasn't reached it yet, their defense should take a, a dramatic jump. If that happens, that'll offset the loss of Ant's offense because they're offensively, they're right, I think they're fifth rated offense in the league. So let's say that drops to eighth or whatever, like you can make up for those points. And plus, if you get better defensively, because ant's not out there, he's a negative defender. You got Fible out there more, that helps mitigate some of that. So I think that's the only hope that I'm holding out for those teams, that the defense can become respectable again. Then you start winning games, and to me, you're guaranteed to be a play-in at that point. Can they get into the top six without going to the play-in? I don't know. They're only two games back, despite all their problems, right? Right, two right. back, But there's other teams that are just on the rise. You know, Phoenix has got Durant. So they're going to be better. Clippers, uh, they're healthy. They're adding Westbrook, who I think is going to be – it's going to be interesting with Westbrook brings. I think he might help more than hurt. They're going to be better. Zion's going to be back eventually for the Pelicans, so they're going to be better. Dallas just got Irving, then you already got Denver and Memphis and Sacramento. So I don't think they can climb into the top six. So I'm saying they get into the play-in. Once they get into the play-in, I don't think they're going to be able to win two games if they finish. Mm. If you finish sixth or seventh or eighth, you just have to win one. One, right? If you're tenth, you have to win two. Yes, I don't see them winning two, so they got to be in the position they win just the one at home. I give them a chance to get in the playoffs. If they have to win two, I'm saying no. <laughs> I'm giving da- I'm giving Damian Lillard the
0: benefit of the doubt here. In that regard, I, th- I think Damian Lillard could win two games.
1: <laughs> Beyond that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if, I, if, they, if they do get in as an eighth seed and seventh seed, they're going to get rolled. Yeah, I think, yeah for sure. Well, yeah. well, who's the favorites in the West? If the Suns are healthy, I don't see how they lose. Yeah. Say, I mean, <laughs> how do you beat them four times in, in two weeks when 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 they close game? You're not going to blow them out four times, right? Maybe you get one blowout. Uh, so you have to win three close games against them to close them out. Well, how are you closing them out when you got one of the greatest, smartest point guards ever who's a mid range assassin, one of the best two guards in the league, and one of the best forwards ever? How are you close? And, and they're all shooters from all yeah. over, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they get and busy, they're all creators. and they're all creative, like Chris Paul, the way he those fadeaway middies he, he hits. Yeah. So how do you close that out? It's just impossible. I don't see how you do it. I just don't see how you – four times. You can beat them one, twice, maybe three if you're really good, but are you going to beat them four times if they're healthy? I say no. So for me, it's Phoenix the favorite in Boston. I lost you. I can't, I can't hear you. Wait, hold on. You there? I can't hear you, man, what happened? Hold on one second. There you go, there you go. Nope. Oh, now you're gone again. You're gone. All right, I'm back? Yep. All
0: right, cool. All right, that, that's an easy edit. Um, yeah. I got to ask you, man, because I, I've been advocating for it. We talk about it a lot here on this podcast. What are your thoughts on this WNBA to PDX thing? I mean, you you see that we had the meeting recently where Commissioner Kathy Engelbert came into town, met with Senator Wyden, Blazers, Thorns, execs, Beavers, Ducks, coaches, and players. Um, just kind of what are your general thoughts on it? Where do you stand on it right now? And in regards to the Blazers, like, what do you see them being willing to do as far as support for the WNBA to PDX? Because obviously you had the execs that showed up and expressed their support, but there's other ways that the Blazers haven't quite supported other things the way that they should that would make you reluctant to think that they would support something as big as a WNBA team coming to
1: PDX. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Um <clears throat> My feelings, seem, you know, and this is just little conversations I've had and things I've read. I've, I I can't claim to have taken a deep dive into it, but it seems like Portland's is definitely on a list, you know, of, of about ten cities, but not near the top to where I think they're going to be one of the two picked in this in this first round. It seems like Toronto is one, and is it Las Vegas? No, Las Vegas has a team. Toronto is God, what's the other city? Were Oakland. About? I think it's Oakland. Is it Oakland? Yeah, they for got sure.
0: like a they got like a, a women's an African American women's group or something like that that's that's making a hard push for it. Okay.
1: Uh so you know it seems like Portland's on a strong list, but there's you know, maybe not as high up on the list as that would lean towards me believing that they're gonna get a team by 2025, which I think is the next target date. Mm-hmm. But you never know what things are gonna happen with other cities, things might fall through, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. There appears to be an owner in place, independent owner who is willing to take on the team. That's huge. It doesn't seem like the Blazers are that interested in owning a team. Uh, Paul Allen, as far as I remember, he's the reason why they didn't keep the fire because he didn't want to subsidize or didn't want to have it, didn't want to take care of it, sort of bring it along. So that's one of the reasons why it went away. Uh, And if you're selling the Blazers at some point, which the estate has to, do you want to attach a WNBA team to it if the WNBA team is not going to be profitable? Uh, I think based on the league's history, they, they could probably do well in the tennis. Does that mean they're going to be profitable? I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, if you can, heck, if you can get a team and then trade for Sabrina Unescu right away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back to Oregon. You buy back to the place, Right. For sure. Uh, no, I, I think, I think this market would be perfect for it. I think it would draw again, different. There's a difference between drawing and profitability. We all, right. we all know that. For sure. Um, but, but if you're, you know, the whole WNBA is being subsidized anyway. So if if someone's willing to eat money on it and hope it grows, I think Portland is as, as good a place as any to, to make it happen. I mean, I, I don't believe that uh, a team like that is going to fail here. I don't think it's right. going to be by any stretch of the imagination. This is a very strong basketball state. It's been very supportive of Oregon and Oregon State and in, in high school girls basketball and you know the numbers from the fire were like average of 8000 which is is stronger stronger than most of the teams in WN, WNBA right now so right. i think i think if they i think Portland should be high on that list um and maybe they don't get a team this for this next round but maybe the following round of expansion if that happens uh, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much my take on it at, at the moment. From like
0: a social standpoint, because we always obviously talk about the NBA, you know, being more progressive and, and even more so the WNBA being progressive. How do you think that aligns with the market of Portland and sort of <laughs> how do I say this? The 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 progression that it's attempting to take. <laughs> from a social standpoint, obviously, you know, we can get into some of the nuances, the history, the politics, whatever, whatever, but like Portland to me seems like it is a city that can match the sort of advocacy that you see from the
1: WNBA at large. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. When I said this is a market, I thought was supported, That's what I'm talking about. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a market where, um, people will support the idea of professional women's sports. I mean, the Thorns, they're doing pretty well, as far as I can tell, right? They're drawing, they're, they're, they're popular. Uh, you know, my, my only thing historically with this town has been that it hasn't been very favorable for a lot of sports that have come to town that um, were considered major league sports, like obviously NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, are the top four, right? But like we've had so many sports come through, male and female, that just came and went, came and went from arena football, indoor soccer, uh, uh, lac- lacrosse. I covered the lumberjacks lacrosse team when they were here for a couple of years, really, uh, and they drew, they drew like six, seven, eight thousand, but it wasn't profitable, right? right. There's, a, there's a big difference. Um, so I've always wondered if Portland would support uh, that second tier of sports because it hasn't traditionally. But I do think if there is one, it would be women's basketball because this area has been very kind to women's basketball in general already yeah. with Oregon, Oregon, state and high school girls basketball. And so I do think there's an appetite here for that level of basketball. And it's, you know, my thing with the WNBA is, and people talk about, you know, should they make more money? Et cetera. I think anyone that has ever taken an economics class knows that <laughs> you make money based on revenue generated. Um, that's just a given, but I've thrown this out there for 20 something years. I'm going to keep putting it out there. They need to lower the rims.
0: Really? (laughs) (laughs) You need dunking. It's dunk
1: dunks. To me, it's absolutely. I had this conversation before. Like, oh, that's sexist. How's it it sexist? (laughs) No. They play with a smaller basketball, right? They do. Right? Yes. Why? Because their hands are smaller. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The average height. WMA left the average height the NBA, average vertical jump. Take that. What would happen to the NBA if you eliminated Dunk? If you said a dunk was a technical foul, no one could dunk. LeBron James goes down, lays it up.
0: You've yeah. see, you seen
1: Shane Sharp baseline, oh, up? he's got to lay it up. What would happen <laughs> to the popularity of the NBA? It,
0: it it would decrease drastically. Plum. It, would it, like yeah. it would go down like Enron. Yeah, go
1: down like Enron and like Bernie Madoff's portfolio. Agreed. Okay? Because Agreed. Talking, the, the most exciting play in basketball is the dunk. When John Moran crosses somebody and goes down and just Ugh! everyone goes, Oh my god, right? Agreed. The most exciting play in the NFL is what? The deep bomb. The bomb. What if in you America. had the NFL? What if in the NFL you said you can only throw the ball 35 yards down the field? That's it. If you, throw, if you complete a pass 35 yards or more downfield, it's an incomplete. What would happen to the ratings? Blimey. If you had baseball, you took away the home run. What would happen to attendance in the rating? Home run's out. Yeah. You got a point. Ratings, attendance, would all plummet. But here we have a sport where they don't dunk, which is the most exciting aspect of basketball. You tell me tomorrow I can watch Sabrina Unesco on a fast break through an alley-oop to a woman who's going to dunk it on somebody I'm tuning in more likely. I'm tuning in. Uh uh-huh. As a matter of fact, if you told me that that was happening in a WNBA game,
0: <laughs> keep going, keep going, listen,
1: Keep going. if you told me that was happening in a WNBA game, yes. but in the NBA, they outlawed the dunk. I'd be watching the WNBA instead of mm, the NBA. Interesting take there. This isn't even, to me, this isn't even a take. It's bad. Yeah. yeah it's, no, imagine, imagine if you took lightsaber fights out of star Wars, is it still a good movie? <laughs> Not yes, Maybe. but is it the same? No, no, absolutely not, absolutely so, not. So, so to me, it's just, to me, it's just a no-brainer. Like there was a video the other day on, uh, on Instagram of a woman went just at a uh, just at a gym, and a woman goes based on a dunksman, just average dude, right? And she lifted up and she just jumped on him like pow! And dude was like, oh, like posterized. And I was like, oh snap! And I was like, man, was that a ten-foot rim? And then I checked, like, no, it was a nine-foot rim. But so mm. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's
0: what I'm talking about right there.
1: That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let me see Brittany Griner take the ball on the post, spin, and go pow. Yeah. Tune it in. I'm tuning so it Brittany in. Brittany Griner, lay it up or shoot a little bunny every single time. It's just not as entertaining. Yeah. And I don't care if, the, if people are it's more pure basketball. They run, okay, that's all so nice. But what's the entertainment value? What yeah. gets me? Back? When I was a little kid and I watched the NBA, I used to watch 76ers games waiting for Dr. J to do something crazy. Yeah. If you told me as a kid, oh Dr. Say, oh, he can't he can't rock the cradle and dunk it. It's against the rules. I'm not watching it. Agreed. I hear you. So I hear that's what's no, been my take. Is I, kid no, kid. I like it. I,
0: I I'm actually not mad at it, to be quite honest with you. Like I, I do agree but when whenever, it comes to the inner... says... Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying I do agree that you do have to take it beyond the purest perspective to be able to have the sport be as successful as possible. And you do have to delve into the entertainment aspect of things for you to be able to be as lucrative and and to be able to benefit as much as you possibly can. So I'm not mad at it, Finchers. I ain't mad at
1: it at all. (laughs) I think it's a no brainer, dude. And like I said, people say, you're being sexist. How am I being sexist? You play with a smaller ball. Yeah. A softball field is smaller than a baseball field. The fences are in closer. The right. ball's bigger because it's easier to handle. Um, I mean, there's other there's other sports where things are, are shifted and changed because male-female. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not sexist. That's just making it a, a, a better sport. And to me, man, I'm, I'm serious, man. I, I mean this. If the WNBA were dunking and the NBA outlawed dunking, I'd be watching the That's WNBA the more than watching NBA. I I like if you took that. If dunk out of the NBA, I'd be bored as hell. <laughs> be am bored. I Are you- <laughs> and layups. So it has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with entertainment value. What am I getting For from sure. entertainment value?
0: No, I hear you. I hear you. La- last question I got for you, hard pivot. I know obviously you do more blazer stuff, but you got a rich you got a rich uh background in covering the NFL. I just plainly put want to ask you about Patrick Mahomes and what is winning a second Super Bowl mean to his legacy as a quarterback? All-time great.
1: Well, I I mean, I think if you want to cap everyone's career at 27, then yeah, he's all-time great, you know, but he, he might never win another Super Bowl. Facts. He might never win another MVP. You know what I mean? So, you know, sometimes people shine bright and they don't shine as well later. I mean, John Elway didn't win a Super Bowl to his last few years in the league. Then he wins two, you know? Yeah. And so he's an all-time great because he basically won those two. Uh, and before that, he was considered an all-time great, but he cemented it by winning those two. Someone like Marino, equally as talented as Mahomes, just never was in the right place, right time, right team to win a Super Bowl. Uh, that all said, first five years in the league, or as a starter, what he's done, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, two Super Bowl titles, ridiculous. Just ridiculous. So he's on a trajectory to definitely challenge and threaten for one of the all-time greats. But my man Tom Brady got seven. Yeah. that's, that's He got seven. That's he got it. seven going two of them went through Mahomes. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's it. So, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, when Mahomes gets to five, I'll entertain the conversation. Got it. All right, all right. Until then. You you got it. You know what I'm saying? You got it. You got it.
0: You got it. Well, Finchers, man, I appreciate you greatly for joining, man. You know we'll get you back on here. Probably if the Blazers get into the postseason, I got to get you back, man. got to get you back
1: absolutely bro you know I'm always available
0: for sure man well appreciate you for boxes, boxers baby for life that's it that's all <laughs> go boxes. on that note we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go win